You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. This is the good news of the gospel. God made us, showed us how to live, but we chose our own way. Our sins separated us from God. But God had a compassionate plan. The Father sent His Son, Jesus, to restore all that was broken. We couldn't comprehend Jesus. Or His supposed kingdom. His message was radical and offensive. So So we we killed killed Him. But a greater story was being told. The Father placed the wrongdoings of the entire world, past, present, and future, on Jesus, making a way back to Himself. Now, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we are raised to new life, free from all guilt and condemnation, as God is making all things new. His Spirit now lives in those who believe to take His good news to all people, even to the ends of the earth. This This is the the Gospel. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. That will be our primary passage, albeit I'm, I've got English. That's the extent of my skills. Uh, and so I'll just be reading phrase by phrase through it. I really do want to just walk through this with you in a fairly simple way. I think I'll be up here maybe 20 minutes, maybe 25. Don't hold me to it. I could get excited. That happens sometimes. But um, I, I had the opportunity this week. I was in Naples, Florida from Tuesday to Thursday. Um, and on um, Wednesday night at the event I was at, the, the Holy Spirit kind of fell on this ballroom where there was 250, 300 uh, people and man, a, just a giant group of, of grown men gave their life to Jesus and they found like an inflatable pool and filled it with water and then these giant men were like getting baptized, water was sloshing all over this ballroom and I was just felt like I was caught up in something. I was just so blown away and grateful uh, to Jesus and then I got on a plane, came home Thursday afternoon, uh, had dinner with the family, went to a volleyball practice and uh, then I got up very early uh, Friday morning and flew to Nashville uh, where Think, uh, which is an organization based out of Nashville, was having uh, what they call a next-gen leader summit and got to stand in front of a thousand uh, next-gen leaders, just a gaggle of Gen Zers and Alphas, and they're all leaders in industry. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't a church thing. I mean, they, uh, they were, I mean, the designer for Nike was there, you know, Nike Shoes was there. There were people in the arts, uh, DJs and all sorts of influencers, which I don't fully understand. And, um, and it was just a thousand Gen Zers and Alphas and some Millennials just on fire for Jesus and the kingdom of God. Like the, the church just keeps moving on in each generation. There's panic. And in each generation, the church just keeps moving forward. So I flew home Friday night, got here, uh, hung with the family, came up for the four o'clock service here yesterday. And at four yesterday, unplanned by us, um, there were four languages from this stage, only two of them we planned. Uh, there were baptisms last night that we hadn't planned in, in two different languages. One uh, was sign, a woman in our deaf community had come to faith, and so uh, she signed, so we got to cheer uh, like this, right, because she wasn't going to be able to hear us lose our minds like we normally do, so we, we learned that this is how you cheer, not spirit sprinkles, that's something different. The hands go like this, not 
like this, and we got to cheer. And then uh, a man baptized his grown daughter, uh, and they were from South Africa, and he spoke in Africana. Um, and it was just another one of those nights where we're like we're commissioning to the ends of the earth. We're planting churches. The gospel's moving forward, and we're caught up in this thing that that isn't boring, and it's not moralistic, and it's not it's the the power of God. And I'm preaching to end our gospel series on this passage, which is how the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And, and, and it struck me last night, and then again in the night. I mean, we, we baptized several people in the night, and then it overflowed in the space between that service and this service. Somebody who came to faith in the last service got baptized. It's just like we're in this thing that doesn't feel aspirational to me, even as we have so far to go, and so I've just found my heart really glad to be with you uh, in this moment and in this place, and so eager uh, for what God has next for us. But with that said, let's look at this passage, Romans 1. Now, this is Pauline theology when it comes to the gospel. Um, and so what's interesting to note is that the Bible actually says that Paul is hard to understand. Uh, I, I don't know if you know that or not, but Peter, writing to the church, says they twist the scriptures that Paul writes because he, he can kind of be hard to understand. So even the Bible says sometimes Paul's like tough to get the mind around him. I just always found that to be humorous, but not this. This is pretty straightforward. This is not confusing at all. And so I just want to, like I said, 20 minutes in this. Um, let's start in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I just want to stop there. And if you're, if you're like, oh, you're going longer than 20. Trust me, this is, this is quick. It, it, it's, if anyone should be embarrassed, maybe, if anyone had right to be a, a little ashamed of the gospel, it might have been the apostle Paul. The gospel did not bring him comfort, and it certainly did not bring him a life of ease. There was no life of comfort, no life of ease for the apostle Paul, like he had been imprisoned in Philippi, he had been chased out of Thessalonica, he had been smuggled out of another city, he had been beaten, thrown in prison, he's ultimately murdered at every point. He's slandered and pestered and pursued and tore down and robbed and once took such a beating that they thought he was dead and left him and he got back, like he woke back up from being knocked out and went back into town to preach the gospel. And so this man, who, who has been thrown in prison, who has been mocked, belittled, slandered, attacked, physically harmed, is saying, I'm not ashamed of it. I've got more to say. You, 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 you ain't gonna be able to beat this thing out of me. You're not gonna be able to imprison this thing out of me. In fact, I've often said that if you hated the gospel, guys like Paul would drive you mad. Because there's literally nothing you could do to make them stop. And even when you thought you were there, it would lead to some of your side becoming converts. So like, what are you going to do to him? Leave him alone? Well, to live as Christ. You're going to kill him to die as gain. You're going to torture him? Well, he doesn't count the present sufferings as worthy to compare to future glory. You're just going to lock him up, throw away the key? Well, gosh, an earthquake might come and your whole guard might become Christians and plant a church in your city. Like, what are you going to do to this man? He's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it brought no comfortable life or life of ease. And so he just declares it right out of the gate. I'm not ashamed. And then he goes on to tell us how this is possible because it is the power of God unto salvation. So this is important, right? That the gospel's not good advice. The gospel's not chicken noodle soup for the soul. 
that the gospel's not an appeal to clean yourself up or to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the power of God. That's what it is, period. He's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel's the power of God unto salvation. It's not good advice for the weary soul. It's the power of God that overcomes and overpowers all that would rob God's people and the people that will be God's people from the fullness of life that he has died to purchase for them. This is the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. When um, Jesus kind of says to Peter, uh, you are the rock and on this rock I will build my church, he follows that up with, and the gates of hell won't be able to withstand it, right? And, and just so you know, I don't, I don't know what you know about military tactics, but gates aren't offensive weapons. They're defensive weapons. So Jesus is saying, here's what the power of God, here's what the gospel's going to do. It's gonna be offensive, it's gonna spread across the world, and there's not squat the enemy's gonna be able to do to stop me. There's no government that's gonna be able to slow me down. There's no scheme of man. There's no demonic power or principality that will get their gates will fall under the tsunami of the kingdom breaking loose. And so all I wanted to do in my time with you is just to highlight some things that the power of God blows past. Gates that get knocked down as the kingdom of God moves forward. And I think the first one's probably the, the one everybody's like, yeah, of course, that one. And here it is. The power of the gospel, the power of God in the gospel, saves us from sin. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by our nature children of God's wrath. And then the text goes on to say, but God, who is rich in love, the love in which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. So sin, if you remember, if you've been here for the series, is what's most wrong with humanity. Uh, I know we tend to think therapeutically or psychologically, but what's ultimately wrong with human beings is sin, that we have been alienated from our creator, that the, the fuel that we were meant to run on is not the fuel we're trying to run on. We're putting the wrong kind of gas in our soul. We have rebelled against God, and this says that the power of the gospel, the gospel proclaimed, the good news of Jesus Christ, overcomes, overpowers, and blows past sin in our life. And you'll hear me say often, all of our sin, past, present, and future. So oftentimes, in a climate like this, I have to tell people to get over themselves. Like, you can't out-sin the power of Jesus. You just can't do it. I mean, I, look at the kind of people he chooses and brings into his kingdom in the Bible. Like, Moses kills a guy with his hands. And he's just got a rage problem. And God's like, yeah, through him, I'm going to do crazy things through Moses. David? You kidding me on David? I mean, David's got a little bit of an issue, man. He can keep his hands to himself. And then when he stumbles in lust, he has a man murdered. David's nickname's a man after God's own heart. What? It seems like the power of God blows past and overcomes sin without breaking a sweat or getting winded. 
This is the power of the gospel that there is no sin, past, present, or future that has more power than what Christ accomplishes for us on the cross and in his resurrection. And it's not just that it overcomes sin, it also overcomes the alienation between God that we feel in our inner man. This is Ephesians 2, 12. Remember that you were at the same time, remember this is the same chapter that we were just reading from, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The, the other thing that the gospel kind of overpowers and blows past is this alienation we feel from God. It, it, it solves the biggest problem that, that's on your life and mine, and that is separation from the one that we were meant to be with in regards to life and life to the full. And so what the gospel does is it grabs hold of the, the beauty, majesty, and very real presence of God. And it grabs in the gap of sin and rebellion and thinking we know better than God and trying to make our own way and be our own gods. And it grabs hold of us and then it pulls us back together and lets us be where we were designed to be in the presence of God who is holy and just, and therefore there must be provision for our rebellion against him, and that's found in the blood of Jesus, so that the power of the gospel overcomes sin, it overcomes alienation, it overcomes futility. It overcomes futility, that if you're outside of the gospel, then, then all that we're working on ultimately falls flat. It, it ultimately doesn't matter. Like, like those who have believed upon the gospel, their whole life begins to orient around the thing that will always be true, that Christ enthroned is ultimate reality. It sits behind everything as the only thing that actually matters. And so to spend your whole life on anything other than serving him and moving towards him in worship is to give yourself over to futility, that, that it's just not going to work, it's just not going to matter. I mean, one of the things I got to hear over and over again earlier this week in that first conference because of who was there is guys that have made more money than all of us combined and found out it wasn't working. Like guys who have got a kind of fame that they can't go out and eat without getting pestered and they're going, and it didn't work. So, so what is it if you're a pro athlete with a gazillion dollars and you're so popular, you can't go outside without gearing up to be pestered and you're going, all of it didn't work. It's futility. But the power of God unto salvation rescues us out of it, breaks the yoke of slavery. Look, I love you. You, you don't have to stay addicted and bound. Am I saying the way out's easy? I'm not. Am I saying this is an okay place to not be okay? I am. You don't have to stay addicted and bound. Look at me. You can choose to, but you don't have to. Like the gospel breaks sin, breaks through kind of our separation from God, our alienation from God, and it empowers us. Sin, look at me, is not your master. Now that requires confession, that requires repentance, that requires other kind of help, which is what I think we're here for, to help each other on this long journey home. This is what the power of the gospel brings. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. Um, I'm gonna use, I, I'm gonna give you two more. Um, that the power of the gospel has knocked the teeth out of our great enemy. This is Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you, talking about us, 
who were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, God made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now listen to verse 15. He, in that dying on the cross, has disarmed the rulers and the authorities, putting them to open shame by triumphing over them in Jesus. There are, uh, again, I know, I know we're too Western for this, but this is ultimate reality. Behind all that we can see, smell, touch, taste, and we know about are dark spiritual powers and forces at play, and they seek to destroy all that God loves. And this passage says that on the cross, Jesus knocked their teeth out. It's not that they're there, it's that we have power over them. It's not that they're not working and moving and scheming. It's not that there shouldn't be a certain level of respect for those principalities and powers. It's simply that Christ has triumphed over them. And now what Jesus does is he takes our dark night of the soul and weaponizes it back against the one who's caused it. And so one of my favorite things about Christian ministry is nine times out of 10, people are in a ministry born of their own greatest hardship. What, what I mean by that is the, the women and men that are involved in young lives were teen moms. And, and the men and women that get involved uh, in our kind of addiction ministry, in there, they were addicts. And, and people, like the, the ones I know that have dynamic marriage ministries, it's because theirs went bad and God healed it. So here's the enemy trying to destroy, trying to erode, trying to rot, trying to attack. Here comes the power of the God, not the advice of the gospel, the power of the gospel that redeems, reconciles, heals, makes whole, and then those men and women step into the very space they were just snatched out of and, and displays the work of the enemy to open shame. By what? Following hard after Jesus and being a herald to the good news of his healing, saving grace, that the power of the gospel has more power than infidelity. Or you, you fill in the blank for all, there are all sorts of reasons marriages get really, really ugly really fast, but the testimony is like God's made a way. God, the power of God has made uh, a way. And then the last one uh, is that the power of God ransoms and rescues us out of the corruption of our generation. This is Acts 2.40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Say yes to the power of the gospel and become a light in the darkness. In each generation, the Holy Spirit awakens and turns on the light for a group of men and women across the domains of society who will burn like bright lights against a dark backdrop. So the more you and I, by faith, lean into the accomplished work of Jesus for us, the more we will be transformed into something other than the culture we're currently in. It's just what begins to happen to us. We begin to view marriage differently. We begin to raise our kids differently. We begin to live differently. We begin to spend our money differently. And it stands out and against the plausibility structure of the day. Like we become odd in a way, and yet odd like a flame that draws some even as it repels others. And this is what happens. This is the power of the gospel snatching us out of this moment and saying, no, 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 you're not gonna live the way that your day is saying you should live. You're gonna live the way that I've designed it to live because the covenant promises have been yours. And here's a thing that I love about 
the power of the gospel, not the advice of the gospel, but the power of the gospel. Look at who it's available to. He, he says that it's a, a, available to everyone who believes. So there's a broad invitation into the power of this gospel. It's not limited, it's broad. It's whoever will believe. Again, I love being a pastor. There are GEDs in this room and PhDs in this room. And, and there are people that kind of grew up in homes where mom and dad scratched your back and sang worship over you and read the Bible to you. And there's people in this room and mom took you to a bar and forgot you. But here we are. Here we are. So some of us grew up with, with the kind of money and the kind of uh, privilege that, that we, man, we just for, you know, we graduated high school, got a new car and a trip to Europe. And there are those of us who got a handshake and our parents said, congrats, where are you going? And here we are. And here we are. And, and some of us wilded it out. Like we, like we, yeah. Some of us didn't. Some of us kind of rule followers, you know, we, our, our sin was more self-righteous and under the surface, and then some of us were like, mm-mm, I'm going hard. Like some of you, you still, you still got a little bit of that stank on you, right? It's just like, you went hard in it. But here we are. Does Jesus love one more than the other? No, no, no. The power of the gospel, like, like it overcomes all of that, and here we are. The, the people of God, he, he's done this. The power of God has done this. Now, yeah. And, and then here's what I want to show you, and then I'm done. I'm actually really proud of myself. Um, I can't say that. I might. Who knows? Let's go. Shh, stop. Verse 17. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, there's a couple of things happening here. All of them kind of blow the circuits, especially maybe how you, you've learned to understand Christianity. Here's what he just said. That, that the power of God is revealed in the gospel, not the advice of the gospel, but the gospel comes, it saves us from sin, it shrinks the gap, in fact, eviscerates the gap between us and God, getting us into right relationship with God, breaking bondage in our life, empowering us to live a life of righteousness, and he says, here's how that works. The righteous will live by faith. It's not a script to go do something. It's a script to understand who you are and live in to what he says you are. The righteous will live by faith. And here's what I love. He's quoting Habakkuk. He's showing you this ain't a new idea. That what God has wanted all along is not behavioral modification. It's your heart. It's faith. I believe that he has done this for me so that the way that obedience plays itself out when the power of the gospel falls upon me is to believe that this is true. That I believe that I am not a slave to sin. So I feel that compulsion. I, I want to do that, but I know it's not right. And I know I don't have to now. Because the victory of Christ has been given to me. And I walk into that by faith. By faith, I know I am not bound anymore. By faith, I believe I am wanted in the presence of God. By faith, I know he is for me, not against me. And the power of the gospel is not found in our efforts, but in God's giving and granting and mercifully moving towards so that the way the gospel works itself out is by faith and faith alone. In fact, throughout the whole book of Romans, Paul's like pulling his hair out, trying to tie these two ideas together of righteousness and faith. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. What did he do? He didn't do it, he just believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Believe, he says, over and over and over again. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous 
will live. By faith, by faith, we believe that we're not under the wrath of God. By faith, we believe that that we have been reconciled to God and there's no longer hostility. By faith, we believe we're not alienated from him, but welcomed. By faith, we believe that sin has been conquered. By faith, we have been saved from being lost. By faith, we believe that we are not living lives of futility. By faith, we understand we're not under a yoke of slavery. By faith, we know there's no demon possession or power over us. If we call upon the name of Jesus, by faith, we believe that we've been ransomed and rescued from a corrupt generation by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But faith, we live into righteousness. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray over us. And I, and I wanna pray because some of you, 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 are, you are trying to live by activity, not faith. Uh, some of you have, like it's been a false gospel of earning and, and you don't get to earn this, right? I'm not saying that there's not some level of effort involved, but God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. God's not against discipline. He's against you being disciplined because you think that makes him love you more. He's against any kind of, um, any kind of earning that, or any kind of effort that, that you think puts God in your debt or pleases him in a way that's different than faith. Faith pleases God. I trust you at your word pleases God. I live like you're not a liar, pleases God. This is the call on you and on me, and this is the power of the gospel that it's seen in this space, not in our earning. So I want to pray for us, and while I pray, there are going to be some men and women that come up front. They're just our prayer team. They're here for you, literally. They love this moment when, by the grace of God, if you would be so bold uh, as to say, I need some help in this area. Listen, I have not been walking in the power of the gospel. I, I, I am a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. I love him, and I've got some very serious darkness in me and around me, and I, I just need to loop somebody in on that so that by his grace, uh, I can break free. Like, they're, they, they love this. No one here would ever gasp at you. I don't even know what you're struggling with, but this isn't the kind of place that you're going to get a gasp out of your struggle. Like, this is a grimy joint, and not even as grimy as it used to be, but still grimy. I hope it always is. And then maybe you're here today, and you just never said yes to the power of this gospel. You, you maybe thought about it as advice thought about it as an option for, you know, the good of, you know, whatever <laughs> business. No, no, no. The, this is an offer for your soul to be returned to its rightful place with the creator. And, and that from that, you might, by faith alone, in his grace alone, walk in the forgiveness and life that he has for you. His invitation is not come and do, but come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I'm going to put a yoke on you, but my burden is easy and light compared to what you're carrying. Won't you trust in my righteousness? Won't you trust by faith that I'm for you and not against you? Won't you trust that I see you, I have you, I won't fail you, I'll hold you in the day of trouble? Come to me, all who are weary 
and heavy laden. I'm going to pray. While I pray, there'll be the men and women that come up front. Man, if you're in a spot where you're just like, man, I'm just not, I haven't been walking in that power of the gospel. I got some stuff going on. Will you let us pray for you? Or maybe that you've never really said yes to Jesus. You haven't pushed your chips in there. You got maybe half your chips there, but some other stuff over here just in case this doesn't work out. The, the power of the gospel is made like it's made available to those who are all in. Like the power of the gospel doesn't go to someone who's like, I'm going to hedge some of my bets just in case this doesn't work out. That's not, that's being ashamed of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm all in. Uh, Throw me in prison, kill me, beat me, whatever. I'm all in on this by faith. I believe in the righteousness of God made possible through faith alone. And we'd love to celebrate that with you today. We'd love to celebrate the, the scriptures say that you have died to sin and you've been raised to walk in the newness of life. We've got shorts and t-shirts, towel. We'd love to baptize you today. It, this is just, it's your time now to celebrate that the power of the gospel has been made revealed and the righteous shall live by faith. Father, I bless these men and women in the name of Jesus. I thank you for an opportunity uh, to even as we, we pray, prepare our hearts to celebrate and rejoice in your goodness. I, I, I thank you um, that, that you haven't left us to our own devices. We're not stuck trying to figure things out that you've made away. And so we thank you and bless you. And so I just ask that you would work for your good pleasure in this room. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing in response. We're going to sing about you being the king of kings the high and exalted, that you've knocked the teeth out of our enemy, that you've saved us from our sin, that you've ransomed us from our brokenness, that you have healed and delivered from our bondage, and that victory is yours and you want to share it. And so we're going to sing of that and, and rejoice in that and respond to this with our voices and our lives. Help us. Through your beautiful name I pray. Amen.